I just had another awesome encounter on my prayer walk. I am so thankful for this. It just blesses me. It just blesses me. I was just in prayer. I've been asking the Father to help me. I've been going through some spiritual warfare this morning. The Lord's been telling me to put on the, the armor of God. And I was just walking and um, literally in prayer. And I had walked up and I'd seen this guy at his house. This one house, I've seen him a couple times. He's an older man. He's outside and I've waved to him and I'm always nice to him when I walk by. And on my way back, I saw he was still walking. And so I said something to him. And as I was walking up to him, I just said, Lord, use me in any way you want. Use me, Father, in any way you want. And I had been in the middle of praying. Well, as I was walking towards him, he saw me, lifted up his head, and got up and started walking over to the driveway. Like to, you know, hey, to at least have a little conversation with me. So we ended up talking for about 20 minutes. And he finally, he's an engineer, retired engineer. And finally, I brought God into the conversation. He asked me after I heard all about him, he said, well, what do you do? And I told him, I said, well, I'm in an interesting situation. I began to explain to him about what my life used to look like. And I was chasing all the success and had everything, but I was, I was really miserable inside. And God had just kind of started flirting with me and telling me he had a different purpose for my life. And so I surrendered everything and he took it all from me. And he's like, wow. And then I just said, now I... I kind of started a little ministry and I spend most of my time seeking him and learning from him and helping other people that are going through hurting things, you know, divorce and bankruptcy and all that stuff. And so anyhow, we sat there and we started talking and I could just tell that this man, he's not walking with the Lord. He talked about God and brought up God gently. He was a really nice man, brought up God a couple of times and he just said, you know, my life has been so blessed and 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 he had said this earlier and then when we got to talking about some things um something happened and i I mentioned to him and i said well you know maybe god brought us together for a reason and i tapped him on his elbow and i said because god does this often he goes you know and then he told me a story about them running into some people and uh, buying an automobile or buying a diamond ring and and one person meeting another person led to this big thing and i said well you know god is a an amazing connector of dots and um, basically, um, he, he admitted, he said, you know, he said, and I he said, my life has been so good. He said, and he's just been so good to me. And he said, but you know, sometimes I wonder if that's a good thing. And I was like, wow, I was praying for him while he was talking before he even said to this, I was praying under my breath. I just said, Lord Jesus Christ, open this man's heart to anything you want to open his heart. I just prayed the Holy Spirit. It's, it's amazing. I'm, I, literally, I just felt led to pray under my breath while he was talking while, about like one of his kids or something. And I just said, Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, just touch this man right now in any way you want to. Just open his heart to whatever you want to be done. Have it be done. Open his heart and I'll step into anything you want me to step into. And that's when he began to say, after he had said how blessed he was, he said, you know, he said, sometimes I wonder, he says, maybe that's not such a good thing. He was talking about, he goes, and out of his mouth, I couldn't believe what this man said. It was so awesome. He said, you know, he goes, maybe for all I know, the devil's the one who's led me down this road that I'm on. Maybe it's him that's given me all this stuff. I was blown away here is an old man living in a giant house being confronted by little old michael and me sharing my story about my love for god and what he's doing in my life and how i had everything and i was miserable 
And then God showed me the true riches in life, Him. And uh, I was amazed to hear Him say this. And so basically I told Him, I said, well, all you have to do is, I said, Bill, if I may, I said, I feel bad sharing this. He goes, no, 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 no. Go ahead. And I said, well, if I may, I said, one of the things that the Lord has shared with me is that I'm never going to be everything He wants me to be unless I'm in His Word every day. And I said, so I get in His mind, in His Word, and I renew my mind every day. And I said, what I have found is that He reveals parts of my life that are out of line with His. And I said, you know, it's very difficult for us to see our blind spots but the Bible says that, the, that His Word, God's Word, is like a double-edged sword that pierces flesh and bone even to dividing spirit and marrow, you know, even into the spirit, just meaning that it, it does a soul check for you. And I said, you know, I just encourage you, get in that Word and God will speak to you about any direction He wants to take you. And I just thought, man, how awesome is this? And this kind of stuff happens, you know, Without any effort at all, on my part, I just, I, these encounters I have with people just happen because I'm available and I pray. That's it. I just pray and then God opens the door and when the door opens, I step in it. That's all that happens. I wasn't in a race to talk about, you know, God or Jesus or anything. I just listened all to his story, heard all about his family and his daughter and, you know, his life and his house. I took an interest in his things. And then when it came opportunity, all I did was share my testimony. That's all I did. And that drew him in. And this did not used to happen to me. You know, what I'm now seeing is that the Holy Spirit is, in, is opening people's eyes. I'm having these amazing things happen where, you know, I'm at Starbucks and I meet this lady named Mary. She's an she's a older lady. And... You know, God has us do this amazing encounter where she is desperate for forgiveness. She needs to forgive somebody. She's getting ready to sue a pastor here in town. It's going to be all over the paper. Horrible stuff. And God connects me to her. And I lead her in a prayer right out in the open of forgiveness. And she agrees to forgive this man and weeps and weeps and jumps up and says, I'm free. I'm free. I've never felt so free and so light in my life, Michael. I never thought I could get to this place. I mean, that it was a miracle. Then I'm sitting with a guy in Starbucks, and I've seen this guy on and off for two years, and he happens to come over while I'm studying Scripture. And and uh, just, you know, I asked him, I took an interest in all his stuff. What's going on with your business? How are you doing? And what's happening with this? And then all of a sudden, he got to asking me about my stuff. And I just told him, I said, you know, I'm just trying to study the teachings of Jesus Christ, man, God's given me an assignment to learn them and to practice them and to help other people. And, you know, I just, I just am waiting for my turn to be put in the game and I'm a stu full-time student and I just began to share a couple things. And then all of a sudden, this guy started to confess to me one of his sins. I didn't ask him to. I didn't say anything about sin. He began to confess to me. What I'm seeing is the Holy Spirit doing this work. The Holy Spirit is producing this fruit, not me. And, uh, oh, that was Frank that just drove past. That's Frank right there, the guy that I, um, another guy I've seen in the neighborhood that who I've been so blessed to get to meet. He subscribed to my videos. This is so cool. I've been up here praying for this neighborhood and 
it's just awesome. I'm slowly getting to know some people and have some encounters with people. I mean, after I keep walking in this neighborhood, I'll eventually know a lot of people in here. And I'm sprinkling, you know, um, seeds of Jesus everywhere. Like, I just planted a seed in that guy, and now the plow is coming, as that one pastor I heard say the other day. Plant the seed, and the plow goes where the seed is. It's too late for that guy. Praise God. I was asking the Lord to help me today and to encourage me. And man, did he ever, by just using me. There's no greater feeling than this. You know, I, I didn't have to go out somewhere and, um, you know, go stand on a street corner and hand out tracks. If God calls you to do that, that's great. That's not what he's called me to do. I didn't have to go stand and shout from a rooftop anywhere. I'm just being myself and Jesus in me everywhere I go is having an impact on people's lives. I think if I would have known how effortless this was, the effort is in staying connected to the vine. That's the only thing we have to do. Our effort and striving needs to be to abide in Jesus Christ, not to produce fruit. He produces the fruit. We have to strive to remain in Him. And so my striving is simply to remain in His Word, His Word to remain in me, for me to remain in Him, for his, me to remain in His love by obeying His commands. And He's doing all these things in me. But I think if, if 15 years ago... I would have known this. Somebody would have taught me the importance of striving to abide in Christ and, and the fruit will come rather than striving to produce fruit. My Christian walk would have been totally different. Totally, 100% different. And I think I would have been a whole lot more motivated to strive to please my daddy and to be with him. But I was always afraid of the fruit and now the fruit just is produced everywhere I go without me even trying. It's effortless. And not only that, but I have so much joy when I do it. It's 5.42 in the morning on Sunday, September 29th, 2013. I just dropped my friend David off at the airport. And I am uh, didn't sleep super well last night. I went to bed having received an email from my pastor where last week I had seen the three 1133s and been seeing the 601 and feeling like God's calling me back out. Then I saw a 919 yesterday morning. I saw a 919 and a 666. I saw a 919 last night. I uh, go to the airport this morning on my way out. I see a car pass the license plate 919. So that's three 919s in less than 18 hours this happened a week ago and when it happened that I saw 919 three times um, in like a 12 hour period I had received two phone calls from clients that wanted me to do video work and that's again God telling me not to set out well I said no to them so I've been a little confused as to why I'm seeing the 919 again now last night I went to a, a, a cookout and met a guy who was just wound super tight. I mean, one of the tightest wound guys I've met in a long time from a business standpoint. This guy has been chasing the money and chasing the success. Claims to have come to the end of himself, but I tell you, I haven't seen that yet. I, Anyhow, long story short, I, I walked away going, whoa, I've been praying for the guy. And, and um, I'm wondering if he's going to try and contact me and... You know, get me involved in something or what have you. I don't know. But 
Last night, Rusty sent me an email saying that he had prayed for a four to six month period of rest, you know, apart from the ministry, but that he releases me and he appreciates me submitting, but that he releases me now and um, from that sit and uh, said that he has something he wants to talk to me about, some ideas, and I don't know what those ideas are, but I've been being a little confused about you know, the 919s, was that the Lord telling me to not move yet in the ministry thing? But yet, it seems like he's telling me to move forward in that. So, I think it has to do with maybe more business. And the fact is, is that I still don't have any money. There's been no, God has not seen fit to deliver me yet um, in my finances. So the pressure is continuing to build and continuing to build. And um, I just saw another 666 on the side of a truck just five minutes before I started doing this recording. So I saw one yesterday, one today. So of recently when the Lord has shown me that, for, it's, not, it's not my ex-wife anymore. Um, the last couple of times it's been with my thoughts under attack by, you know, circumstances, finances, and just the Lord, you know, the de devil wanted me to quit. And, uh, so I am, um, going to go sit and study the word this morning and get ready for church here after a while. And, um, we'll see what comes out, but I, I sense that the Lord is telling me not to move on a business thing and don't move on anything that has to do with money, but that it's okay for me to start doing ministry stuff. I'm just going to wait a little bit and see what happens and isn't it interesting that as I pull into the driveway it turns to 8:11 on the stop or on the odometer it's 4811.0 miles and that's finished the work and I had just seen 701 again this morning so I know what the Lord's asking me to do he wants me to finish this commandments of Jesus my pleasure so I'm going to keep working on that and I think I'm just going to kind of Sit still a little while and wait and see what the Lord is wanting to do here. Okay, so I just want to quickly capture a couple of recordings of a couple of things that the Lord has told me before in that internal audible voice that I've heard. I remember the time, um, you know, at the gym where, uh, actually right before the gym collapsed, the angel comes to me in church and says, the Lord will be magnified and glorified through your obedience. Then there's the time... Um, when I was talking to Margie Barboza outside the gym, trying to get her counsel on what to do about court and losing the gym and all that. And as soon as I hung up the phone, the Lord said to me, it's going to get worse before it gets better, but do not worry. I'm in control. This is about your character development. I heard that word twice then, and then I heard it the Tuesday night at 8 o'clock after I get off the phone with my attorney, knowing we're going to lose everything. Then I heard the Lord one time when I was driving down the street, and I asked and I begging him, saying, you know, why will you not just tell us what to do? And the Lord showed me He's far more interested in our being in pursuit of Him than we ever than He ever is in our being perfect. That the idea of being perfect apart from a relationship with Him is not something He's remotely interested in. And He showed me the image of, you know, having a perfect son who could do no wrong and coming home from work and the garage door opens, but He doesn't come running to you in sheer delight. Versus the imperfect son who doesn't get it all right, who does mess up and make mistakes, but who delights in his dad and who comes running when the doors open. 
obviously one of the other things I heard was when he said, if you'll fire your attorney and trust me, I will be your defense. And I will do this in a highly unusual way that will bring me much glory. And it will not be because you had a better attorney. I remember hearing that one. One of the other things the Lord told me is I asked him one time, I said, Father, why don't you just give me the directions? Tell me what you want me to do. I said, Lord, you know I'm humbled. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just give me the directions. And I said, why won't you just give us clear step-by-step -step instructions like, like you did some of the people in the Bible? And that's when the Lord basically impressed in my heart. He said that if he gave an answer every time somebody asked him for an answer, they would begin to worship the answers and not the answer giver. And it was this, um, this message that God wants us to pursue Him, not His stuff or His answers. And, and he doesn't, He's not interested in giving us an answer so quickly that we just quickly leave His presence and get on about our task. It's not about being a to-do list servant. It's about being a friend and a son or a daughter. I remember God telling me these things way early on after the gym collapsed and I was very humbled and hungry for answers from God and He spoke to me about these things and now they mean so much more to me, you know, 10 years later. Another one is one time I was begging the Lord to give me an answer to deal with my pride. I had um, still been struggling for so long with, with secret pride. I'd, it had been brought to my attention about three and a half years earlier by the Spirit and now three and a half years later I was still struggling with it. And Although I could fake it on the outside, on the inside, I felt still very insecure, still very driven to, to please people and to, to get accolades for myself. And one day I was in a prayer walk with him listening to a John Eldridge message, and I stopped and said, No, God, I'm not going any further until we settle this. I am not taking another step until you give me an answer or a tool to deal with this. I am sick and tired of winning this, fighting this battle. You have told me that I can have victory. Give it to me. And right there, God just gave me this instant vision. And it's, it's, it's amazing how a vision works because it, it comes all at once, like a download. It didn't happen like a movie. It's like it just, it just comes. I don't know how to explain it, but this is one of the only times I can remember having a, a really strong vision. But um, God showed me a Supercross race where all of the factory rigs were set up. And there was a motorcycle mechanic working on one of the Supercross bikes. And of course, all the fans come stand around and look at these $150,000 dirt bikes and all these amazing tools and stuff while the mechanics are working on their Stars bikes. And these two guys were complimenting this one mechanic about his tools and just going on and on about, man, it's so awesome, you know, that you get to use these tools. What an amazing set of tools. And the guy was very humble, the mechanic. And he just kept saying, oh, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's real great to get to work with these tools. And he was so humble. But what God had showed me is that he was lying. That in fact they were not his tools. He gets to use them, but they belong to the race team, to the manufacturer. And by him ex receiving the praise for those tools, he was stealing praise from the tool owner. And God showed me right then and there that any time that we receive praise for our abilities, whatever they are, our talents and gifts that people readily praise. Anytime we receive accolades for those without redirecting to God, we are essentially robbing God of His glory. Because He is the tool maker. And God showed me, Michael, I'm the one that put all your tools in the toolbox for you to borrow while you're here. That was a such a powerful, powerful, powerful lesson that day. Powerful lesson.
Another thing God showed me is that adversity, one time when I was asking him about adversity, God showed me that adversity comes in this world primarily through three major ways. It comes directly from God's hand as a form of chastising, disciplinary action. It comes from the enemy of our souls in the form of spiritual warfare to get us distracted or to, to deceived or failure. And then it also comes direct from our own hand, which are um, bad decisions that we make. You know, sometimes conscious and sometimes unconscious, but making bad decisions and choosing, you know, to touch the stove when we knew it was hot. Those are the three primary places that adversity in our life come from. If you make better decisions in your life, you can eliminate a lot of the, the, the ones that come from you. If you follow God and you, are, you adhere to His ways and you walk a godly, righteous life, you can eliminate a lot of the discipline that's required from Father. And if you put on the full armor of God, you can eliminate. So what I'm seeing is, is that as I go along, yes, I'm still having troubles, but I'm able to eliminate a lot of the folly and foolish things I was doing before. But one thing that God showed me is, is that all three of them, until you become conscious of this, um, in other words, most people aren't conscious of this. They don't think, where does adversity come from and how can I manage it, lessen it, and blah, 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 blah. But one of the things God showed me is that all of it comes through His hand. In other words, the enemy can't do anything to you that he hasn't received permission from God to do. The only difference is you can do things to yourself. You can choose to hurt yourself. You can choose to inflict pain on yourself. You can take yourself out of God's hand. I truly believe that when the Bible says that nobody can take, snatch anyone out of Jesus' hands, that's not including yourself. A person can deliberately fall away from God and remove themselves. Otherwise, God would have lied uh, that, that there's you know, free will. And when Jesus says, if anyone chooses to do God's will. So you can choose not to. You can choose to take yourself out of His will because we have free will. So that was another thing that God showed me. There's one other one. Another time is when I was leaving Florida and having to leave the kids behind and I was asking God, I'm like, God, how in the world could you ask me to do this? How could you ask me to leave my kids behind and just move to another state and leave them with this person who's been treating me like this and is so nasty? How could you ask me? And as I sat and waited, God just said, do you trust me? And he just asked me to trust him. I mean, I just heard it loud and clear, do you trust me? And it was like I had to say, yes, Lord, I trust you. And then every single time I would come back, it was like I had never even left. And God said, see, I told you you could trust me. But there's another one, too. I can't remember it yet. Interestingly enough, I'm walking in my prayer circle down here at the end of the street, and I'm praying for the Lord to remind me of things He's told me. And while I was walking, He's just showing me something else. And I'm just asking the Father for mercy and for Him to come quickly and to rescue me and to provide the promises that He's told me you know, the financial deliverance. And there's moments when you can begin to doubt and you hear from the enemy, you've played a fool, you've waited too long, you should have saved yourself. These numbers and all this stuff doesn't add up. You know, you're in the, you're in the, in the red, mister. God's not going to come through and save you. You've just put yourself in a bunch of trouble, you know. And you hear these kind of things, especially when I have these, these sinus days, man, about once every six weeks or once every month, I'll have these days where I just feel like I could almost fall over. I want to sleep all day. 
don't have hardly any energy, and yet I feel guilty for laying down and sleeping because God's asked me to do things. And yet my sinuses get this like kind of a sweet smell on them. It's, it's so weird. Like right now they're kind of draining. And um, I definitely have the what the Indians called the valley of the sick head here. I definitely get plenty of that here. But by God's grace, it's not too bad. But when I have those days, man, the enemy just gets on me. And the last couple of days he's been on me and it's been hard. It's hard to... to your physical body can affect the way you feel spiritually and mentally because they're all connected. So I'm fighting that good fight and I'm praising and I'm putting all the tools in the practice, taking up the shield of faith. I'm remembering my salvation. I'm following in hard after God's truth with the belt of truth around me. I am, you know, using the word of the Lord and, and while I'm sitting here fighting the fight, God is, re- is showing me that he's allowing the battle to last this long for a reason, and it's for my strengthening. In Second Samuel, um, I think it's like 301, or I can't remember, it says that uh, the war between the house of David and the house of Saul lasted a long time, and the house of David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. And there's another chapter in Second Samuel where it says that God allowed a certain group of Israelites that had never been to war before to be in warfare so that they could be trained and get experience. And I feel like one thing is definitely true. I could say, oh, God's not going to save me. I've pipe dreamed all of this. I've gotten myself here by misreading the numbers. And I could say all that. But man, when I look at all of the fruit that God is doing as a result of me following all the numbers up to this point, everything from the 666s to the 555s to the 777 to then the 222s, if I wouldn't have followed the 222s, my mother would most likely not be a Christian right now. There would be many people that had committed suicide that, that God used my story to prevent. There's no telling what kind of fruit behind the scenes I haven't seen, but literally all the men in the Bible study and all the people that I've impacted um, over the last two and a half years meeting at Starbucks and various places where God has either used me to encourage somebody or to strengthen them in their faith or to get them into their faith, whatever. If I wouldn't have followed that one number, 222, most likely none of that would have happened. None of it. So I look at that and go, man, you know, why would God drop me all of a sudden after having led me this far? God doesn't do that. God does not do that. Even if your circumstances fall apart, God doesn't leave you. Even if the way you hope something works out doesn't work out, that doesn't mean that God's left you. It means He's got a better plan. Or He wants you to learn something. And so I just really felt encouraged just now when God was showing me that I am getting stronger in Him. And that I used to panic. I used to be like, oh God, please help me, you know, and cry or whatever. And, you know, please Lord, I mean, you know, don't leave me like this. And now I'm just kind of like, Father, you've told me, God, to wait upon you, Lord. You've told me to trust you. I've put it all on the line. God, please. I mean, now it's funny. I'll pray for coffee money. Like right now, I'm down to $9 in one check-in, check-in account and $9 in another. And so I'll pray and say, Lord, you know I need the big money that you've promised me to get you know, caught up on child support and bless my ex and pay my taxes and my all kinds of stuff. But then I always say, Father, but may I also have some coffee money? 
God, may I have some coffee money, Lord, to be able to go to my office and have a, some sense of a decent little existence, you know, that little happy thing that I do. Plus, he gets to use me when I go there. And uh, he's definitely strengthening me. He's definitely strengthening me. There's, I've come a long way. Why would God not want that? Does God want me to panic every time it looks like he's, you know, not going to meet my need right when I want it to? Or does he want me to be strong and say, God's got this? And that's where I've gotten to. I've gotten to a place where, for the most part, I can say, God's got this. But he keeps stretching me farther and farther and farther and farther. He's taking me all the way to the end on this one. It's going to be interesting to see how it ends, man. September 30th, 2013, 5.04. Something awesome just happened. I was finishing up my walk. And I saw 2.12 again. And I was like, oh my God goodness I've seen it like seven times today that is the most I've ever seen it I think maybe there's been one other time I might have seen it close to that many times and just as I was running the street to come back down that um attractive lady that lives up here with the two kids the divorced lady she is um standing outside and most of the time I walk by there she's not out there and I felt the temptation to at least just say hello to her and as I was walking by, it hit me that I have seen 212 seven times and I just kept on walking. I didn't say anything, I just kept on walking right by. And it's like I just remembered, just realized that that other day that I had seen it like six times was the other time that I saw her when I was walking by. And then the Lord just reminded me that I saw 212 like the 10 times that one time I was on my way to see um, Tanya and to meet Shannon. And I remember being so confused. I'm like, God, why are you showing me 212 so many times? I'm going over to meet this girl. And then she was a, um, a widow. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is so weird. You know, what's going on? And she was very attractive and all that stuff. I can now see it's God warning me and reminding me. It's like he's, he, it's him by his grace strengthening me where I'm weak saying, Michael, I have already given you the desire of your heart. He's just reminding me. Now granted, it's not a huge temptation, but he's trying to show me not to even, not to even open the window. Not to even open the window because the temptation is there. I mean, you know, to just say hello and just, yo, oh, you never can tell. It's, you know, just a friendship or what have you. But I don't know, I just think that is so awesome that God is actually using the 212 now three times. The three times I've seen it the most are the times that I've been um, either vulnerable or getting ready to meet a woman or walking past that lady's house. That is so amazing. God is so good. Okay, so today's the 30th of September. It's Monday, 2013. And um, I had a dream last night about Laura. I'm not convinced really at all that it's from the Lord. Um, in fact, I don't, I don't think it is. But I just want to capture it. I always find it amazing that I have dreams about Laura in relationship, not other women. I have not had a, rela I have not had a dream about another woman. Um, there's been women that I've never seen before that just for like an instance, just like quick, but nobody that I've had a relationship with. Um, and in the dreams, 
my dreams, it's always um, very similar to real life. In other words, I know Laura in my dreams very similar to how I know her now. I've never had dreams about her and I, you know, living happily ever after married. It's always that it's real early in our relationship type of thing. I know why I had this dream. I'm pretty sure it's because yesterday I had the opportunity to meet with Marcy whose husband had passed away from Alzheimer's and my mom's become good friends with her and she goes to our church and she has this vision for a widow center and she told it to us at breakfast about two weeks ago and I just was so excited for this vision that God had given her and I said, you know, I really would like to just meet with you and hear more about that and share something with you and I didn't tell her what I wanted to share but yesterday um, I got the opportunity to let her hear my backstory and then I heard pretty much all of her story and then I shared with her the whole 212 story. And um, as soon as I just gave her the name of the title of, you know, the document or a book, if it ever becomes one, Waiting for 212, a redemptive love story in the making, she, she literally got like tears filled in her eyes. Like she knew where I was going with this. I began to share with her all about, um, you know, what started happening. And I told her about the two birds in the pond on August 17th and told her about, you know, seeing a woman that looked like, you know, actually running into Laura on a blue moon, August 31st, and, you know, just really saying, God, if you ever give me a chance to meet this woman again, I promise I'll say something to her, and how I felt like a part of my heart walked away that night when Laura walked away. And so, told her the whole story about all the 212s, and when I would doubt, I would see 212, and then I prayed and asked God to show her to me in seven hours, and He did, and I went to Starbucks, and she was there, and bumped into her exactly like in the dream, and so, um, she, the bottom line of what our encounter was is that she wanted me to understand that when you lose a spouse to death, it's very different than divorce and that people make the mistake of thinking that being divorced is the same thing as having, um, being a widow. And she discerned after I had spoken to her about as much as I know about Laura and the few interactions we've had. And as I described Laura, she said that she discerned that it's very possible, based upon the dream that I had, the skates and all that, that Laura has not fully processed the loss of her husband yet. She's not been able to fully release it because she's never been able to fully um, go there. She instead had to get so busy taking care of her family and taking care of her kids and her her business that she probably moved to busyness. And maybe has never had the opportunity to fully go through the whole process of, you know, letting him go. And she may not be ready yet type of thing. And she just said, Michael, God's got this. Just trust him. And I said, I totally agree and have been totally believing for that. But um, I just walked away with a new empathy. I think a new level of empathy and a new way to pray for Laura. I've been praying for her every day and obviously many times I pray for her to be emotionally healed, spiritually healed, uh, that God would heal up all the wounds. But now I'm praying a little differently based upon what I had a conversation with Marcy about it and I was so excited and I, I told her, I said, you know, she's going to want to talk to you one day. She's going to want to meet you and she just smiled and all that. Anyhow, the dream that I had last night, I feel almost embarrassed catch, capturing this because I do not feel necessarily like this is from the Lord. but. It's funny that when I have dreams about Laura, they're very complete. So, and it always has to do with, you know, like we've just met type of thing. So, in the dream, we were just on, you know, probably our second or third time meeting, but apparently, like in real life, it's going to be very obvious that God has been, you know, arranging this after a short period of time. So, 
in the dream, we had just been on a walk slash run. We'd been getting some exercise, and I don't really remember her running. I just remember her walking, and I remember I had my jogging clothes on, but we were rock, walking back to her house, and we started talking about it. And she hinted around to me in the dream that she was not entirely sure if this was actually in heaven because she had evidence to believe that he did not necessarily live what he preached or what what they believed in and um, again I do not think this is from from God I think this is this is very likely a dream from the devil I don't see that happening in that family but I, again I, I I don't know yet God's not made it very clear to me but in the dream she she said yeah and she said that she knew in the beginning like there was some part of her that doubted that saw that he had done something with a friend or I don't remember exactly what the details were but that it caused her to doubt and wonder, but she ignored it and, and married him anyhow. Um, she didn't act like she was miserable in the marriage at all. She didn't indicate either way that, but that she just felt like she wondered if he was really in heaven because, you know, like I say, she seemed to feel that he didn't live what a Christian is supposed to live like. So that happened, and I was really startled that she shared it with me so up front. I was really surprised. And then um, we walked into her house, and I just remember she was so nice to me. She was very comfortable. In fact, I even called her sweetheart at one time. It was so awesome. I said something like, what do you want, sweetheart? And, and she just let me call her sweetheart because she is such a sweetheart. I mean, she is such a sweetheart. It's like I just know her already. It's so amazing. But in the dream, I walked into her kitchen, and... There was food everywhere being prepared. It looked like a, it looked like a, a food processing kitchen. And basically what it was is she was making all the kids, I concluded that she was making all the kids lunches and stuff like that in advance. But I remember there was this on like one part of her kitchen. It was just full of Ziploc baggies and graham crackers. And there were these oversized graham crackers. It was like just a big old blocks of graham, not blocks, but big old, you know, cr cr huge graham crackers. <sighs> everywhere, like just probably 50 bags of them, almost like maybe she was making up the whole lunch in a, a week's worth of lunch in advance. And then I remember there was this huge jar, like a gigantic, like, gallon and a half jar of salsa. And I was like, what is this for? And it was laying sideways like on this piece of furniture with saran wrap on it. It was laying sideways, and I'm like, how is that not pouring out? It was weird. I was like, how is that saran wrap? And I, I went to lift it up, and she's like, oh, no, it's okay. It won't come out. And I'm like, wow, that was so weird in the dream. But um, I just remember there was all this food and sitting around, but I only remember the graham crackers and the salsa. I don't remember anything else, any other kinds of food. Just having the dream about her, it makes me feel like I got to have a relationship with her last night a little bit. It's almost like it's a temporary fix, if you will. A little temporary drink or something. I don't know how to explain it. It's funny, yesterday when we left, after I told her the 212 story, I saw 212 twice. The odometer went 21.2 just as I was looking down, like not even a mile after leaving Starbucks. And then I saw it over on the, the roof, the building down on South Parkway, the phone number roof. I just glanced over and saw it. And then I saw it like three, two or three more times yesterday while I was editing 
videos and working on stuff. Maybe three more times. So I think I saw 212 like five times yesterday um, after having this conversation about her. So that when I had this dream, she's so nice to me in the dream. and She's so lovable. She's so... Um, you can see that she, there's still that little bit of being guarded. But she's opening up to me in the dreams. In the couple of dreams I've had with her, she's so sweet. And it's like she's so comfortable with me. And um, she's, you know, really ready for a good relationship with me. And we have fun and we laugh and we have great conversation. And it's just like electric being around her. When I'm around her, it's just so wonderful so every dream I've ever had about her is always positive um, except for this one where she shared a little bit about I think the reason why that part of the dream was there was because of Marcy what she told me that she knew she was not supposed to marry John and she told God no and I'm pretty sure that that is just what my brain made up I feel pretty sure that this was just a made-up dream in my mind and that I just every once in a while have these you know, dreams that seem very complete about her, meaning kind of a long-term dream. But I also think that I probably made that up about her wanting to doubt because I was so, um, I don't know the word, I want to say concerned or afraid, but I became aware of the idea that so many men have told Marcy that she's still in love with her, her husband and that they can't compete with a ghost. And I tell you, boy, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Realizing that a person didn't divorce them, there's no closure. And in your mind, you may be still married to that person a lot longer than if they were divorced and started treating you bad. And I think, so maybe I think I probably dreamed that because I, in my own mind, selfishly was looking for, hopefully, for some closure for her. Um, and I think that may be part of it. Nothing nothing major, but I just wonder about that. So anyhow, that was the dream. and So now I'm going to go do my Bible study today and keep trusting the Lord and pressing in.